I got a cookbook that you might be interested in. Huh. It's Amish cooking. You like the Amish market. But how did how did they write it? They're not allowed technology. Listen here. Hey guys, Editor Tess here, just for a little bit of an update. I recently started back on work, going eight-hour days that I'm not used to. And also, I'm going to be moving soon. So with all that in mind, the next month or two of new episodes is going to be a little weird. I'm going to keep it as consistent as possible, but who knows what's going to happen. With that said, let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Magic Winks Clubhouse, a podcast where two best friends get together and recap every episode of the Italian Magical Girl series Winks Club. I'm Brendan, Fairy of the Surging Sea. And I'm Tess, Fairy of the Rolling Stones. Today, we're watching Season 1, Episode 20, Mission to Domino. The original Italian title was Bloom's Disappearance and aired March 12th, 2004. And the 4Kids dub version is titled Sparks of Hope and aired November 7th of 2004. Also, I just wanted to bring up the fact that I don't list Cineloom air dates because the Cineloom dub didn't really air on television so much as it was the English language option on a lot of DVDs sold in European markets. I do believe they eventually aired on television in the UK, I want to say, in like 2007 or 2011, some pretty far after. Um, I mean, I say this seven episodes into, or uh, 20 episodes into the first season, but I could start like, recording those as well uh if you think i should listeners weigh in feedback if you uh want to hear about that or if we should just keep doing that as we have been all right so i did put out the call for listener questions a little bit late this week and that's purely uh that's purely my fault i've had some work stuff going on listeners so tess did we get any listener questions this week Ow! <laughs> Are you okay? Yes, we did! You okay, sis? <laughs> I turned, smacked my arm against my friggin' desk. Ow. And this thing is made of solid wood. Or maybe solid particle board covered with wood. I'm not sure. Yes, we did! I've seen that desk. I'm pretty sure it's actual wood. I need to get rid of it when I move. Uh, it'll make a great donation to Goodwill. Okay, our first question is from Cassidy at Mad Lobotanist, best friend of the pod. What's her question? Her question is, how much wood would a Wings Club chuck if a Wings Club could chuck wood? This depends on the girl, honestly. 
I'd say um, in order from most to least wood they can chuck, uh, I'm going to say Flora is number one. Mm-hmm. Of course. Because she can, you know, like make it pop out of the ground. And then I'm going to say Musa because she's probably handled wooden instruments. Uh, Bloom because she probably had to do some like throwing stuff in like earth gym class and then uh stella because she doesn't really do manual labor and uh techna because if it's not made out of anodized aluminum it's not for her (laughs) well i see no fault in your logic thanks for your question cassidy our second question comes from crest at fantasy crest on twitter don't know why I said their name like that, but let's keep going! Um, their question is, something happens and the girls switch powers among themselves. Who gets what and what are their reactions and activities while this lasts? So I think the most obvious, like, funny power swap would be between Tecna and Flora. <laughs> Since they're polar opposite power sets. You're not wrong. Um, and obviously, uh, obviously, this segues into Flora becoming the fairy of biotechnology while Techna's not looking. And I don't know what Techna would do with nature powers. Uh, sit in the corner and cry. I mean, that's what I'd do. Tecna sitting there and rubbing two sticks together. I don't know how to make my computer start like this. <laughs> it's not even like like sticks. It's like sticks of ram. Help! <laughs> so that leaves shuffling around between Tecna, Musa, and Stella. Problem is, Bloom and Stella's powers are very similar. I mean, Stella's aren't omnipotent like Bloom's are, but... Ah! Sunlight and fire is not too big of a... Like a stretch if either one of them ended up with the opposite power. With the right lens, you can make fire from sunlight. So do you think it would be more fun to see Musa or Stella with... Or uh, Stella or Bloom with music powers? Oh, don't give him to Bloom. It's 2004. (laughs) It's just just Ashley Simpson all the time. (laughs) So much for my happy ending. Well, yeah, now that she's broken up with Brandon Sky. Scrandon. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is actually a really tricky question. And... I think it's easier if you add Aisha to the mix. Just because now we have more options. And then I guess you could do a more even swap thing where like, because Aisha's got water powers, so swap that with the dragon flame. And then Musa and Stella trade off. They're not opposites, but they're uh... They're opposites on the end of the personality spectrum. They're very opposite personality-wise. I could also see, like, maybe what ha- would happen if Stella got the mu- Or not Stella. If uh, Tecna got the music powers. 
And it's just constant EDM. I'm sorry, I'm just imagining, like, Techna Fairy of Music, but she's, like, full cyber goth, and she's got a giant synthesizer. And those big pants. Dreadlock pigtails. That are made out of, like, fabric and pool noodles. And you can't forget the three-foot-tall platform shoes. Cyber goth techna. <laughs> Cyber goth techno warriors in Mexico City. Hella. NSFW! <laughs> Give me, like, two seconds. What do you mean, NSFW? Why is this man wearing brown? That's not a cyber goth color. <laughs> Techna, but she's in the goth underpass rave. <laughs> I'm sorry we can't come up with a truly satisfying answer for you, Crest, but there's just a lot of moving parts here. We appreciate your question nonetheless. And more importantly, we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, are you ready to get into this episode? Because this was a pretty good one. I took good notes this time. <laughs> I think. Only one way to find out. So we open our episode at Cloud Tower, where Icy is on a magic Zoom call with Farragonda and Saladin. And uh, she's listing her demands that Althea and Red Fountain surrender within the next 12 hours or face complete destruction at the hands of the Trix's army. I mean, fair. Um, in four kids, the, her, de- in four kids, Icy's demands are much more juvenile. Like, I want you to say, Icy is the best. Icy is the ruler. Icy is great. I want a national Icy Day competition. And also, I want your cast. Like, What? And doesn't she give them way less time to comply? Uh, yeah, the time was cut from 12 hours to 5. Jinkies. Um, yeah, presumably she's telling in the entire magic's dimension, but she's only seen telling it to Farragonda and Saladin. Because I guess magic doesn't have a mayor. I mean, they don't really need to tell it to Griffin, she's in the, she's in the basement. <laughs> magic's is just like a, an anarcho-communist state. There is no head of government or anything. The outer realms will just get this on carrier pigeon like four weeks later. Not really sure what's going on. Yeah. Uh, She also says uh, that resistance is futile because, you know, you got to get that line in. When it shows the tricks, it shows them in Griffin's um, main... Uh, office area. Now would be a great time to just launch a missile at them. Uh, Yeah, but there's a bunch of innocent witches in the basement. Like, while they're monologuing, just just go. There's a lot of problems in in fiction that could be solved that way. It's a very common joke. Okay, I'm sorry. Magic missile. Lightning bolt! Lightning bolt! <laughs> Wait, that's Stormy! Uh, 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 sticks to snakes! <laughs> you just take a bunch of sticks, turn them into snakes! <laughs> sticks to snakes, as in twigs to serpents, or adheres to serpents. 
sticks turn into serpents, and then whatever the serpents touch gets stuck to them. So, someone's talking about the ancestor land, which is... Yeah, um, Farragonda says that the tricks have gone mad with power. Naturally. And Saladin agrees that they are just like their ancestors. And what I'd like to point out is, throughout the entire show, they're going to be referred to as the Ancestral Coven or Ancestor Witches. I'd like to remind everybody that all of the stuff involving them happened 16 years ago. I was about to say, like, Ancestors implies a very long time. So, their parents? See, here's the thing. I think when they say ancestor, they mean very old. Not a long time ago. Like, I think these witches could, like, genetically be their ancestors. That's probably, like, their great-great-whatever-grandparents. But it's the wrong word to use when you're talking about something that did not happen that long ago. And the narrative acts like it happened centuries ago and like domino is a we're gonna get there but domino is an ice planet after 16 years it it feels like it would be more impactful if daphne sent bloom like through time as well as through space like a whole princess serenity sitch it would make more narrative sense too like We've heard stories of our ancestors for years and years. We'll do what they were never able to do. Domino's been cold, dead for centuries, maybe even millennia. It's been 3,000 years. The only thing that could stop this is that the dragon flame is literally god powers. Yeah, it's like a divine battery, basically. You can't just go without god powers for centuries. At least in the realm of this show. Yeah, it's it's like the biggest part of Winx Club's overarching narrative that is consistently weird. Maybe that'll be fixed in Fate the Winx Saga. Uh, though I do want to note that like once you hit once you hit after season four, it's all a crapshoot. Season five does some funky stuff to this backstory. But uh, Saladin says he's going to go back to Red Fountain and rally the specialists uh, in order to organize a defense strategy. And in the four kids dub, he says that he is going to try and provoke the tricks to attack Red Fountain first in order to give Althea more time to prepare. So Saladin's going to call the tricks a bunch of ninnies. <laughs> like, right after this, there is a brief cut to Cloud Tower on one of the ludicrous numbers of balconies where Darcy has, like, a bunch of the evil little buggies with her. <laughs> And she's baby-talking at them. Oh, who's a cute little menace? Who's the worst thing in the world? Who's gonna help mommy take over the world you are? Etc, etc. And while she's doing this, Nut and Pepe are just watching her. Oh no, she's crazy. 
Well, Nut decides that Cloud Tower is getting way too dangerous for the two of them, and uh, he leaves the scene. I just feel like it should have been something more appropriately menacing happening for him to make this decision. Because, like, yeah, the, they're, it's an endless army of, like, slime bugs that coagulate into big monsters, and the more you destroy the big monsters, they just break back down into little bugs, and they do that perpetually. But she's also baby talking to them. This is like deciding this is like deciding you're not gonna be a friend with someone because you learn they have a pet tarantula. More or less. This shouldn't be a deal breaker, at least for what you signed on for. Yeah. We get a really nice close up of Darcy's shoe. Cosplay details. <laughs> In Cinelum, Nuts like, oh no, they're going to destroy the magic dimension. I'm gonna go. In Four Kids, he's like, the tricks are gonna destroy the Ogre Realm. I have family there. Oh no! They're destroying her, and then they're gonna destroy me. Oh my, oh my god. god. So that's our commercial break. <laughs> and when we get back, we're at Alfia again, and Farragonda is uh, briefing the Winks on the backstory. Okay, guys, plot time. Uh, so the big difference between the last time that witches were after the dragon flame is that the tricks, you know, they actually did it, and they're now f- like fueled by it. And that makes them more or less invincible for as long as they have it. And Farragonda tells Bloom that she's going to have to go to Domino. Because Domino is where the whole fiasco started. And Farragonda thinks that somewhere in the ruins of the royal palace there might be a clue on how Bloom can reclaim the dragon flame. And she uses a very good metaphor in the Four Kids version. The the metaphor Farragonda uses is that you can use one candle to light another one, but that doesn't mean the original fire goes away. It's the eternal flame of the Olympics. I have a note here that uh, the winks are about to go into the unknown. If Bloom's going to go investigate, of course the Winks are going to go with her, especially because Bloom can't really defend herself at the moment. <laughs> uh, one indeterminate amount of time later, the Winks are in the hollow deck. You remember the hollow deck. Uh, Palladium decides to turn the hollow deck into a teleportation chamber because he can do that? Uh, he, he says he reprogrammed it. So that it'll... I don't. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Uh, the holodeck also provides them with a set of fashionable snowsuits you can buy at your local department store for your doll for just five euros. This is giving me uh, shades of the MMPR movie circa the nineties. Like we'll send you to this desolate planet, but. We might not be able to get you back. I'm just, like, expecting him to say that. But instead of, you know, that kind of warning, uh, we we 
go to the icy wastes of Domino where Han Solo rides by on a Tauntaun right before the Winks teleport in. <laughs> and they just kind of choose a direction to walk in. In Four Kids, uh, Stella says, we head towards the Indigo Moon, which is apparently north on Domino slash Sparks. You can't really use a moon like that. They orbit. Yeah, and also in an earlier line, Tecna pulled out her Navi system. Now, I guess if it, I guess if it orbited like on a north-south axis, and it was just like a really weird moon, maybe. Why is it called the Indigo Moon? Because it's purple. Yeah, it. There, there's literally a big purple moon in the sky. Oh, real quick. Real quick. I uh. missed this because, uh, as usual, four kids shuffled some shit around. Yeah, I was just about to mention that, actually. Palladium mentions that the weather on Sparks is quite brutal, so I'm afraid open-toed shoes and exposed midriffs simply won't do. Palladium, this is the smartest thing you've said all season. He also looks at the camera when he says it. And while the girls are being transformed into their snowsuits, Griselda quips in with, If I had my way, this would be the dress code year-round. Oh, Griselda. This is a temperate climate, you fuss. Yes, I have all of your students walk around in full snowsuits. <laughs> Remember, the fate of the universe rests on your shoulders. Good luck. No pressure. <laughs> and uh, one quick four kids edit. Because I guess they haven't been able to change anything visually in a while. Uh, in Cineloom, when Palladium has sent the girls off, the center con- center console- The <laughs> console- The console says, okay. In four kids, it says, complete. That's- Thanks? That's a decision. I mean, I guess- Uh, so they did move around the uh, Tecna analysis thing because, like, at least they make it smart enough like, that uh, once they're there, Tecna does, like, a quick area scan uh, by pressing R3 on her controller. And yeah. <laughs> and everything collectible lights up. Yeah, everything collectible lights up and the mini-map pulls up. But uh, in Cineloom, they just walk a direction for a little while before she pulls out the map. Well, Brendan, they needed to have time for the fuss music! Yeah, there was like a montage here, like a a sad the song. Su- the sun will rise and melt all my icy memories. Can someone shut that band up? <laughs> that frozen bint keeps singing while we're trying to do our job. <laughs> In Four Kids is an equally bad song, but... Four Kids flavored. It was something like, divided we fall, but together we stand. And I'm like, you're close. Divided we fall, together we stand. Ninja Rangers don't surrender. Whatever. Ninja Rangers fear no danger. While the Winks are hiking, we go to Cloud Tower and the Tricks are just doing some casual witchcraft. 
<laughs> oh! There's like a big blue ball. And they're manipulating to imagine is Farragonda did not hang up the call earlier. So the tricks have just been able to hear everything going on in her <laughs> office since then. She thought she hung up, but she just hit the... Minimize. She just hit the, the headphone button. So she can't hear them, but they can still... Exactly. After some minor technical difficulties, we're back with our two hosts. The tricks did the witchy thing. Okay, so after the tricks do that, we go to Red Fountain, where Nut has shown up to ask Saladin for help. Because Nut is uh, turning on the tricks. In Four Kids, this was moved to right after Farragonda gave her rousing rallying speech to the Winks. Which makes a little bit of sense, I guess. But Saladin doesn't know, like, you know, why he should trust Nut, even though I don't know how public it is that this guy works for the tricks. Uh, in Four Kids, it's just straight up racism. Oh, yeah. We don't trust ogres. Your kind usually throttles our kind, and our kind usually locks you away. Why should we trust you? God, Grandpa. And Nut replies with, We'll be right by your side, doing everything we can to stop those evil witches. And I'm like, the fuss is Pepe gonna do? Yeah, he's a little purple duck. There's not that much he can do. Um, But right after Nut says those evil witches, of course, she's right behind me. Uh, Oh, real quick, in Four Kids, Nut says, We're your friends now. The tricks are mega ultra bad news. Thank you, Nut. Right after Nut says they're, they're super nasty evil witches, she's right behind me, isn't she? Uh, because I see Stormy and Darcy part, uh, pop up on Saladin's hollow Skype and taunt him because Nut's a loser. And they, I guess they heard him agree to help Nut out. And in Four Kids... Oh, we're scared now, Saladin. You've managed to draft a mindless ogre and a duck. Yeah, and then Darcy threatens Pepe specifically. I've wanted to pluck you since the day you hatched. Good lord, Darcy. And then Saladin does something really weird. (laughs) He zaps them with his staff. But it's just a phone call. (laughs) So he didn't attack them as much as he just hung up really dramatically. You remember when phones used to have cords and you could just slam down your phone really hard for dramatic effect or like close your razor? I was about to say Saladin just flipped his razor phone shut on them. (laughs) I guess right after hanging up his phone call with the tricks, Saladin is addressing the specialists um, on the battlements, of course, and they're all standing in formation because the time has come for them to do battle. Are you ready for Uh, an extremely He-Man action sequence? After Saladin's rallying speech in Four Kids, he turns to Kotatora and says, anyone who survives passes the semester. And I'm like... (laughs) Just the semester. Doesn't get to graduate, but passes the semester. And also, 
I have a note here, which is just shut the bus up for kids. More needless, um, like pattering speech. In Cinelume, it's just like it pans across the monsters. It pans across the worried faces of the specialists. It pans back to the monsters. One of them screams. They begin battle. In four kids, Kodatora. Freshmen and sophomores, fall back. Juniors and seniors, hold steady. Wait for my command. And remember the formations we learned in advanced tactics. And a random specialist goes, My dad wanted me to be pre-med, but I insisted on, on heroics and bravery. Stop! That was a fun line, but stop! See, the strategic giving orders part doesn't bother me, but the pre-med line does. Ah. Because it's ultimately pointless. Also, it's around this point that I noticed that Saladin looks kind of like a rabbit. Kinda, yeah, I could see it. There's actually this really cool effect where, like, the storm clouds roll in and Stormy's face is in them. And then the evil slime rain starts up and a bunch of bugs crawl up and start making monsters. And, uh, this is just kind of a fight scene... There's not a lot to go about, but, like, uh, we get a name for the purple-haired guy with the hook swords. He's Bishop. Mm-hmm. And the guy with the Wolverine claws is W in the four kids dub. Uh, in the background of one of the scenes, you can see one of the monsters, I say noodling a guy's face because they have, <laughs> like, tentacles on their mouths and it's just like... Also, um... There, the first zoom in on Bishop's face was literally just someone ex- like zooming in on the picture. It didn't get more detailed. You can see the lines. Yeah, they just zoomed in on that animation cell. You you can see copious amounts of his teeth. <laughs> um, and one last <laughs> one last thing. Um, I caught a reflection of myself in the storm clouds, and I got very upset. What do you mean? Like, I was just sitting down, and I'm just like, oh, God, I look awful. Oh, like you physically saw a reflection of yourself and the screen went dark. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. This is my least favorite show. <laughs> Me. Oh. Also, uh, Nut is fighting alongside the specialists, and he's, like, getting some good moves in. Because he's just, like, throwing guys around. And uh, he yells at Brandon, and th- b- to remind everybody, S- Prince Sky is the blonde with the sword and shield. Brandon is the brunette with the two-handed sword. Don't worry, Nut gets confused too. Uh, he tells Brandon to watch his six, just in time for Brandon to get, like, one of the monsters wraps its horrifying lobster claw right around his head and then slams him against the camera. Uh, Brandon may have heard Nut better if he didn't always speak in a half whisper. Mm. Brandon! Brandon, watch your six! What? Oh! Uh, Nut manages to get Brandon out of this chokehold, though, and Saladin starts doing some wizard stuff? Um, I have a note here. The tricks have the power of God and anime on their side. <laughs> I mean, it's true. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Saladin does like this big wizard spell, but it doesn't really do anything because the monsters just like reform the second after <laughs> like they always do. I have a note. Why didn't Saladin do his dispersal spell sooner? And then next line, tabbed. Oh, that's why. Mm. Uh, so a specter of icy appears in the clouds and shoots a lightning bolt out of its mouth and sets Red Fountain on fire. Yeah, the tricks of the power of God and anime on their side. Uh, this also causes the dragons to get loose because keeping apex predators that can fly and breathe fire in your castle stables is a soup's good idea, you guys. Uh, in Four Kids, Icy takes direct control of the dragons instead of them just getting loose. <laughs> Assuming direct control. <laughs> Yeah, Icy commands the dragons of ice and fire to obey her. With a song of ice and fire. <laughs> no, that's something different. Somebody tells Saladin that the stables are on fire, and Saladin just kind of, like, waves his hand and puts it out. F that noise. And then the tricks show up in person, and Icy does something that's raw as hell. <laughs> I really like what she says in Four Kids, too. So what Icy does is, you know, we've seen Bloom's dragon flame manifest as an actual dragon made out of fire a few times. Right. A distinctly Asian-style dragon. And so what Icy does is she conjures up that same dragon, but it's made out of ice. Oh, it's so cool. And in the four kids dub, she says, great dragon of frost, spread your icy wings and fly. Which is some top tier fantasy novel nonsense. And I love it. Ah! And then because, like we said, it's an Asian style dragon, so it's all snaky. So it coils around Red Fountain and freezes the castle solid. And then the top chunk of the castle, for dramatic effect, chips off and falls. Yeah, it does that thing that icebergs do, where sometimes the top part just cracks and, like, slowly drifts down the side. It's a very good effect. But somehow, uh, probably because this is, again, a children's show, this only affects the building, not any of the specialists. I mean, we can't kill them. Who else are we gonna rule over? So, uh, Coda Torta <laughs> orders a withdrawal. They, they dress it up by calling it a strategic retreat in Sinaloom. In Four Kids, they call a spade a spade, and they just say retreat. <laughs> Get to the hover boat. Bo what, the, what the hell? Dropships. That thing! So everybody piles into those, like, you know, diamond-shaped battleships we've seen. And uh, they abandon the castle, presumably as it just crumbles into an icy heap? I mean... This was a really good scene. It was. We cannot do it justice because we are just two idiots in front of microphones. Uh, but because we have another, like, we have a B-plot for this episode, we go back to Domino. <laughs> a B-plot with our main characters. You don't see that too often. The Winks are still hiking. And... Uh, when Bloom asks how much farther they have, Techna says it should be right over that hill. And then that hill stands up and it's a troll. It looks like 
Uh, this is gonna be a deep cut. Digimon Frontier. Cory Kakumon. Did you look this up or do you just know this? I was very recently looking at Digimon stuff. That's the only reason I remember that. <laughs> I was on That's... the Digimon wiki for a little bit because I watched the Digimon movie and then I was like, hey, Digimon are cool. And then I went on the wiki and I went, oh, Digimon is a lot. Which Digimon movie? The original. It's been one week that... since, you, since you looked at me. All my friends are metalheads. All the great 1999 bops. The one that I have on VHS? Yeah, it's on with YouTube the weird, for free. With the weird Angela Anaconda opening, or did they cut that? No, that's still in the YouTube version. Oh, hell yeah! Um, but yeah, the uh, Digimon that... Tommy? Yep, Tommy. Turns into? This is Beast Spirit. To me, I'd say it looks like... um. So you take a Wampa from Star Wars, and you take the uh, Snow Ghost from Scooby-Doo, and then you put a bunch of swords on its back. Point is, it looks like an ice troll. So we're on Domino, and a giant Cory Kakumon shows up. Yep, just a great big, just a troll. And the troll actually does something really cool, where because it's so huge, it starts shoving over these huge snowbanks to make mini avalanches to catch the winks up in it. And I think that's really neat. Okay, I just looked. I completely remember Kori Kakumon having giant tusks. I may have been confusing that with Kikakumon. They have almost the same name. Yeah, which is kind of the point, but it's still confusing. The ice troll almost gets Bloom and Stella transforms to save her. That certainly happens. We get the Stella special solo version of the transformation theme, too. I will be transformed. No, it's the it's like the wings flash Stella, Stella, Stella. That one. So Stella like shoots some sun lasers at the troll. But so this this part, I didn't understand if it was the tricks doing this or if it's the troll doing it. But this or if huge the fact spike up. that Stella. Sh- oh. Oh, right. Never mind. Keep going. This huge spike of ice comes out of the ground and the troll picks it up. And what I thought it was going to do is start using it as a club. Same. But instead, this troll is apparently an Olympic javelin toss champion. Ah! Because it it yeets this ice spike like a javelin into the ground and opens up a fissure. And uh, conveniently, of course, uh, this comes between Bloom, Stella, and uh, like the rest of the wings run up, but they're on the same side as Stella. And uh, this part... Wait, did you... Did you miss something? Because when did the specialist get to Althea? So this scene is the scene that ends the episode in Four Kids, and the scene that follows it was placed earlier in the Four Kids dub. Okay, because I just didn't write down any notes for it because I didn't find it, like, important, like, anything important happened there except in Four Kids, so I was very confused. Okay. Yeah. 
this fissure opens up in the ground and like, you know, Bloom starts teetering. And oh no. Just a reminder. Is she gonna fall? Stella is transformed. She can fly right now. And instead of, I don't know, using her wings, she just lets Bloom tumble down this crevasse. Bloom died. Cut to black. Roll credits. Stella. But. I, I, I'm sure I heard one of the girls say that cavern could be bottomless. Yeah, that was definitely in four kids. I see where you're coming from. That being said, there is no such thing as a bottomless cavern. Also, um, yeah, I didn't know if the ice spike itself was the tricks doing anything, but we do pull out from this scene and Icy is like watching through the crystal ball on Griffin's desk. And she gives this deliciously menacing read of goodbye, Bloom. In the Cineloom dub, I think they cut this from the four kids. That seemed a bit too malicious for four kids, yeah. And so after this, which um, in the four kids, after Bloom tumbles down the hole, uh, we get a to be continued. Bum, bum, bum. But uh, in Cineloom, we get the scene that came directly before it in four kids, where the red fountain ships land in Alfie's courtyard and uh, Farragonda welcomes them in because they've put aside some quarters for them and Saladin reveals that red fountain has fallen and Farragonda says this is only the beginning of this war and that's the end of the episode in Sinaloom um in four kids someone I'm not sure who says, all right, boys, try to stand tall. We don't want to look like a bunch of losers in front of these girls. And I'm like, stop. Did I ask for your toxic masculinity for kids? We get it. The world is ending. You're allowed to be in pain. We know why you're here. So that's the end of the episode. And... I'd say we've been struck with another one where it does move the plot forward and the Red Fountain, like the, the the siege and fall of Red Fountain is the most important thing that happens in this episode. I mean, Bloom saw her home planet, but it's a giant snowball right now, so. Yeah, uh, we're going to have to save the once upon a December scene till next time. <laughs> That's a great song. Uh, so it's time to decide our best moment and worst moment of the episode and pick our MVP. All right. Tess, what is your best moment of the episode? My best moment of the episode is four kids palladium saying that open toed shoes and exposed midriffs simply won't do. My best moment is great dragon of frost spread your icy wings and fly. It was also, like, that ice dragon was really beautifully animated. That's where all the budget went this episode. Yeah, because it was, like, translucent. My worst moment of the episode is Stella just kind of watching Bloom fall into a gaping fissure. Yeah. When she can fly. Yeah. My worst moment is the use of the word ancestors. 
It's consistently not quite right. <laughs> it's consistently a little to the left. I actually didn't pick an MVP beforehand. I pulled all of these out of my ass. So. I'm going to give my MVP this episode to Headmaster Saladin for putting on a good show of it. Like, yeah, Bread Fountain fell, but it was going to because, you know, they're hopped up on dragon juice. My MVP is going to go to Nut. For growing a spine? <laughs> for finally realizing that I shouldn't be here. They're not paying me enough to be here. I'm going to dip and take this duck. <laughs> Nut stopped being a simp for the tricks. The tricks don't deserve simps. Well, I mean, Darcy had Riven for a little while. I think that counts. And Stormy is, pardoned upon, a raging lesbian. I don't think anyone in this show is heterosexual, but I know Stormy never gets a love interest. Stormy's one true love is lightning itself. <laughs> Stupid tree. All right. So, with that said... Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to contact us on Twitter, you can find me, Brendan, at Sonata Waves. S-O-N-A-T-A-W-A-V-E-S. You can find me, Tess, on Twitter, at Pocky Slice. That is Pocky like the delicious Japanese snack. Slice as in a slice of pie. You can find the show on Twitter, at Magic Winks Pod. You can email us at magicwinksclubhouse at gmail.com. That is the name of this show at gmail.com. If you listen on a platform that allows for it, please leave us a rating and a review. Join us next time for episode 21, The Crown of Dreams. Where we'll be joined by friend of the pod, Crest, at Fantasy Crest. I hope we're getting deep into some plot nonsense. Sounds that's like what it. I, that's what I signed up for for this dang show. So until next time, when the plot hits the fan, meeting adjourned. Open your eyes, open your mind. We are the wings. Ugh, my hands are covered in syrup. <clears throat> what flavor? Mapley. <laughs> Raspberry. Beret? I think I made a joke about that song last episode.